my friend is in Pass Beyond. Best of those who weren't with us too long. Life is the most precious thing you can lose. While you were here, the fun was never ending. Life a minute was only beginning. Can I call me and echo this one for you? Good afternoon, everybody! Welcome to Talking Philly Sports with Maddie B. It is Saturday, May the 9th, 2020, and I am your host, Matt Benarchek, and I am honored and humbled to be back to deliver yet another entertaining podcast here about the ins and outs of Philadelphia sports. So we have come to the end of another week, um, another week in quarantine. Uh, we're getting, I guess, up to around week eight now as things are beginning to lighten up a little bit. Um, local governments are turning back on. Certain areas are being uh, reopened. Certain public areas are being reopened. And there's a myriad of public opinion about whether or not we're being too, too soon. We're not taking uh, enough precautions all that kind of stuff. And I, I really don't want to necessarily get into that. Everyone has their opinion about what's happening. Everyone has their opinion about this situation. And I'm going to leave it at that for now. But the reality is that we are yet again, another week into no sports and things are becoming a little bit more, I think drastic when it comes to certain um, aspects of sports to be specific, the NBA and the uh, NHL, which are still on a, an official pause. They have not canceled they are still postponed for the near future. Uh, the MLB or Major League Baseball has uh, come up with a tentative plan, I think. Uh, they're they're going to make that thing public, I guess, next week, maybe, if it gets approved by the, uh, by the union. And that um, a plan to get baseball back going by, I want to say, I think the regular season tentatively would start early July. July 1st is what they're looking at. So we're moving. <laughs> we're grooving. And we're doing things that we, I guess, we got to do to, to get back to normal. But, you know, that word "normal," um, you know, what is that word anymore? And I guess that's that's to be determined. But I don't want to necessarily get into all that right now. I want to get into the week that was in Philadelphia sports. Not much going on, of course. Again, nothing live. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of that, but no sporting events live game wise. But we did have. Two significant things happened this week in the in Philadelphia sports, and uh, let's talk about the first one right now. Uh, actually, they occurred both on the same day on Thursday. It's weird. So Thursday, May seventh, marked the 18th anniversary of the Allen Iverson practice rant, and the entire city of Philadelphia, uh, at least on the sports talk airwaves of the radio, took the day to reminisce and recount and rehash and reevaluate Allen Iverson, both as a player on and off the court, uh, the actual press conference, you know, everybody threw their two cents worth in about Allen Iverson. And it was funny to me listening. And I actually chimed in a couple a couple times as well, but it was, it was funny for me listening to a lot of the people making opinions about Allen Iverson weren't even alive when the actual player played. 
or when the press conference occurred. So they lacked the, the perspective of, of that. And um, I have my opinions on, on Allen Iverson as a player on and off the court. Uh, there's no de- there's no denying that he revolutionized the game, that he was the new, new school of the National Basketball Association. You know, we had gone, we had moved past uh, Doc and Magic and Larry. We had moved into Michael and he changed the game. But now we were moving beyond Michael and it was Allen Iverson who was that that kind of poster boy for that. And whether or not you agree with some of his antics off the court, um, there's no, no dis- mistaking what he was on the court, at least for the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the man was a beast. Um, the man averaged throughout his career 40-plus minutes a game. Now, put that into context a little bit for a minute. He played 40-plus minutes a game. There's only 48 minutes you can play in a game. And he played, on average, 40-plus minutes a game for seven to ten seasons. And um, just a, just a beast. Now, again, you know, he had his way about him. He, I think, took liberties with what he was, especially to the Philadelphia 76ers, which led, I believe, to that practice rant. Um, but no doubt, no doubt he was one of the best iconic all-time favorites in Philadelphia's basketball history. Um, he led the Sixers to the 2000-2001 NBA Finals. Came up short, uh, led him into the playoffs consistently through his time in the city, and then um, moved on, and then came back actually, and then finally retired. But what what an impact he had in his time here in his heyday! Yeah, definitely one of the greatest players in the league. Won the MVP in 2001, and just was a was a beast and. One of the things that I would that I centered on when, on the practice rant again, you got to put it into some context. The practice rant occurred on May the seventh, two thousand two, and it was during the exit interviews that the Sixers were conducting that season. The season had just ended about five days prior to the team losing in the uh, Eastern Conference quarterfinals to the Boston Celtics. Now, this is one year removed from the team going into the NBA Finals and losing to the Lakers in five. So we're one year past that, and now they're going out in the first round. And I think in the moment, you got to kind of put yourself in Allen Iverson's shoes. He went out in that court every day and put it and left it, put it, left it out there every day, every game. And I think a little bit of frustration was starting to creep in a little bit. The Sixers had come kind of to a point with the team they had put around him, his career was at an epoch at this at this time. And now every year you, you were going to get a lesser product because you're starting to get older. The minutes were starting to take its toll. And I think frustration got the better of Allen Iverson on that day. I think he was frustrated with the organization. He was frustrated by the season. He was just frustrated. And I envy that. You know, that's that's a guy that knows his role knows his place in the city and lashed out probably the only way he thought may be acceptable. And I think you got to kind of look in between the practice rant and kind of understand where it was coming from. So that was fun to relive on Thursday, um, kind of broke up the monotony of the week, but uh, that was definitely fun. So then on Thursday evening, we transitioned to football. That's right. 
The NFL had a live event on Thursday night. The schedule release occurred on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock now, which was kind of a mute point because ESPN did this big three-hour to-do about the schedule release, but yet a half hour early on at 7.30, uh, it was it was made public. All, all the schedules were made public. All the teams were given permission by the league if they wanted to to release their schedules. I don't know of any team that held on till eight o'clock for the for the ESPN Network Spectacular, which I which I personally only watched about ten minutes of. It was a three hour thing, man. Wow, three hour thing about the schedule, boy. Ugh, I, I, I'm not at that point yet. I mean, I'm sure it got big ratings, and I'm sure a lot of people tuned in, but. I was not one of them, but I did. I did pay attention very heavily to the Philadelphia Eagle 2020 schedule. And it's been about two days now. And a lot of people have had the opportunity to kind of go through this thing. And in normal circumstances, we would spend a lot of time talking about this schedule. Uh, We would go through it and do our projections, look at the, look at the, you know, how this thing might come out. But now in this time, in this heightened time, um, it's dominated my thoughts. It actually has. I've gone through the schedule multiple times. I have attempted to try to pull the best scenarios out of the schedule multiple times. And I can't. I can come up with seven wins. That's it. And I've been taking a lot of flack for that. I've taken a lot of flack on Philadelphia Sports Radio. I've taken a lot of flack on the internet. I, I cannot escrapulate, to use a big word, more than seven wins. And I'm hearing everything from 12 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins, and 9 wins. Nobody has got the stones to go 8-8 eight and eight or below, except for me, apparently. And I have taken a lot of heat. Now, I've, I've projected a couple scenarios uh, in like response to that 7-9. I've, I've put out that I believe that there are certain domino effects that this season will will create for this football team moving forward. And I'll explain those as we move forward here. Now, the bottom line is, and the preference of this is this, I wish, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope they are 12 and four. I hope they do go 13 and three. I hope they prove me wrong. But I honestly, after the free agency period and after the draft, I cannot pull more than seven wins out of the schedule. And this schedule is a beast. It's a beast. Everybody knew going into this season that the Eagles would be faced with a daunting task of playing a first-place schedule because they were the first-place team in the NFC East. The problem with that is they were a first-place team with a 9-7 and record. Okay? In most divisions in football, that got you second place. Some were third. But in the NFC East, because of the talent issue, we were sitting at number one. So the byproduct of us fighting hard to get to 9-7 and seven last year, winning the NFC East, getting a home playoff game, that byproduct was a first-place schedule in 2020, coupled with the fact that the NFC East is due to play the AFC North. So that means right off the bat you're getting Cincinnati – or I'm sorry, you're getting Pittsburgh, Baltimore, a possibly better Cleveland team, and the Bengals. So that's a daunting task. That is literally every first-place team in the NFC and the Baltimore Ravens for next season. 
Now, I got it. Football is the ultimate parity game, right? Uh, you can never say from year to year what's going to be what. Uh, nobody predicted that the 49ers would be the toast of the NFC last year, and then everybody was predicting that the Cleveland Browns would be the toast of the AFC. So you never know. It's a crapshoot. I could be completely off base by this, and again, I hope I am. But based on what we have, the data we have, the 2019 data, and the 2020 75% finished product, i.e. the roster, I can only pull seven wins out of the schedule. And I'm going to go through these games, and I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to attempt to kind of explain where I'm coming from. So to start things off, the Eagles will kick it off in, in Washington, which is a, um, a cool thing for a lot of different ways. One, the Washington Redskins are coming off of yet another bad year where they've changed coaches yet again. So when you get a new coach, now Ron Rivera is a competent coach, he's a good coach. He probably, if anybody will, write the ship in Washington, it's going to be Ron Rivera. But when you catch a team with a new coach, a new system, new staff, new philosophies at week one, especially when you're not probably going to have a mini camp, well, you're not going to have a mini camp. You may not have a camp. You may not have a preseason. So when you catch this new staff right there at week one, it bodes pretty well. And also the fact that the last time the Eagles opened up the season in Washington was, of course, in 2017 when we went on to win the Super Bowl. So I got that as a, as a, as a hardcore win. I think the Eagles come out, and I think they just are more organized at this point of the season than the Redskins. So then week two has them coming home for a home opener against the L.A. Rams. Now, this is a win for me based purely on the fact that I think the Rams hit their, hit their peak about two years ago in the NFC Championship game that I know a lot of people are claiming they got they got over, but I think the Rams have been on a steady decline since that game. And I just don't see the Rams coming east in week two and beating the Eagles. So I got the Eagles in that in a hard win, number two. Then we got another home game following week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, this game should be in all signals and signs an easy, easy win. Uh, everybody's going to be excited to see Joe Burrows. He should be the starting quarterback at that time. Cincinnati is at the bottom floor of a rebuild. Uh, they got some weapons, uh, but I, I think this is definitely a win for the Eagles. So the first quarter or the first three quarters of the season, you got the Eagles at a 3-0 point. Now, I know <laughs> I know my fandom and I know the, the Eagle Nation out there. They're going to be pretty excited about 3-0, but you know, we've been down this road before. 2016 was a 3-0 start. Didn't really end up well. We, we finished the season 7-9. I think that 3-0 is what they need to be at this point in the season in order to salvage seven wins, and I'm going to get to that here now. If they're not 3-0 at this point, it might be worse than what I'm predicting because if they, go, if they get here at 1-2, or 0-3, or 2-1, you know, the ship might be taking water on, you know, in September. But as we move on, then the Eagles hit a stretch of three games. The first stretch of, of, of a the, – the schedules broke down this way. There's three – there's two three-game gauntlets that the Eagles are going to have to face in 2020. And in week four, you get to the first one. Uh, the first game is they're going to have to go on the road out west to the 49ers. Now, again, based on data that we already know, the 49ers should be a tough team. Eagles coming 
out to the West Coast, the travel, the jet lag, the time change, whatever, the talent, the talent, obviously, right now, all our arrows point to the 49ers. Now, this will be a great game to win. I'm not calling it a hard L, but I'm definitely calling it an L. And uh, that puts us at three and one. Then we're going to have to fly back across the country, back to Philly, and then fly again to Pittsburgh for the following week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we're not a juggernaut. They're not a great team. They're not nothing but a bag of chips. But I do think they'll be better. And I just don't see the Eagles doing it. The Eagles have had problems winning in Heinz Field, and I think that continues. So now we're at three and two. So then the final game of this little gauntlet puts us in Baltimore, or back home against the Baltimore Ravens. One of them hard L's. I just don't think the Eagles have the talent as the Ravens. I don't care uh, what data we're looking at. I just don't. I think the Ravens are another level of good. And I, I, I see the Eagles falling in that game. So we go right from the penthouse to the you know what at three. We go over to the penthouse at three and oh to the you know what three games later. And now we're sitting at three and three. Then we got a little bit of a cush little hit. We got the NFC East. We got home games. We got a home game against the New York Giants, which I know the Giants are going to be better. I don't think they'll be that much better. That's a win. I got them then follow that up with another home game against Dallas. I have that as a win as well. I think that the Eagles will beat Dallas, Dallas Cowboys in Philly. I just, they always do. So I'm going to give that a win. And then we go on the road and we play the Giants. And I believe that's another win. So I have now awarded the Eagles six wins, all right? And they are six and three now in my season, okay? They are six and three, but they're about to hit a stretch of three. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's one game, and then there's another gauntlet of three, and I'm going to get to those right now. After the Giant game on the road, they stay on the road, and they head to Cleveland. Now, I am not a fan of the Cleveland Browns. I am not a supporter, believer, facilitator. I think that's a garbage organization. I think it's their garbage fans, garbage stadium, garbage city. I, I nothing do I like about the Cleveland Browns, but I do think that they might might have figured it out now with Stefanski. I think he's going to bring some organization to that or, that that club. I think they're going to start putting it together now. Now I'm not calling Cleveland the juggernaut in the AFC. But I think they beat the Eagles in this game. I, I really do. I, I think they beat the Eagles here. And I think they do it somewhat convincingly. I have this as a hard L. I really do. Then they come home against Seattle. I don't. A lot of people are telling me, well, you know, Seattle's had – the Eagles are due, right? Seattle's had the Eagles number for a few weeks, a few years. <laughs> and I think the Eagles are due. I disagree. I don't think I don't care if the Eagles play Seattle in Philly, Seattle, Mars, Pluto, China, Russia. I don't care where they play each other. I just think until Russell Wilson leaves the, the Seattle Seahawks, Seattle will win this game. I, I just I just don't see the Eagles winning the game. Then we head back on the road out to Green Bay to play the Packers in Lambeau on December sixth. Um. By the way, this will mark the first time in franchise history that the Philadelphia Eagles have to go and play in Wisconsin in December, which is amazing. Amazing factoid. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ray Dinger. I heard that today. So that was amazing factoid. Um, again, I don't see the Eagles pulling this one out. That's a loss. Then they come home and got the Saints. I think that's a loss as well. 
Um, I, I again, I, I just I, I know the season might take a couple twists and turns along the way. I just don't see it. I, I really I don't I don't see it. So now I got the Eagles sitting at uh, I believe now I got them at six and seven, right? Yep. So six and four, five, six. Yep. I got the Eagles at six and seven with three games remaining. Now the three games they have remaining are two road games and a home game at Arizona, at Dallas, and home against Washington. I think by this stage in the season, the Eagles will be six and seven, and I think the ship is now leaking at all levels, at all sides. I think the the city has revolted. Uh, I think the players are starting to kind of waver. I think the drama of Jalen Hurts being in that locker room and the quarterback controversy that will ensue becomes too much for this team, and I think it completely goes south. Whereas in seasons past, they would use this six and seven opportunity to rally, to rally and run off a four game winning streak to get themselves into the playoffs or run off a three game winning streak to right the ship. I do not see that happening this year. Please prove me wrong. I'm begging you to. But I see losses in Arizona. I see losses in Dallas. And then I see a win at home to finish up the season against the Redskins. Seven and nine. Now. They get to my scenario. I, I floated a scenario earlier in the week to Philadelphia Sports Radio stating that by the time we got to the Arizona game, that Jalen Hurts would be starting – that would be Jalen Hurts' first game as a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I believe that is due completely to Carson Wentz's ineffectiveness. Now, when I say Carson Wentz's ineffectiveness, I mean the ineffectiveness of the offense. The quarterback is one piece of the offense. If the wide receivers cannot get open, if they cannot catch the football, they cannot possess the football, then it doesn't matter what the quarterback does. If the running backs cannot get first downs, get separation, doesn't matter what the, what the quarterback does. If the offensive line cannot block, it does not matter what the quarterback does. So I am not putting this on Carson Wentz's athletic ability and effectiveness. I am putting this on the Eagles offensive unit and their ineffectiveness to get anything going. And I think Doug Peterson in a last ditch effort to spur some, some positivity out of the season goes ahead and inserts Jalen hurts as a starting quarterback in Arizona. That's my, that is my feeling. If the scenario does play out, I also do believe in it. And then, that, that is a little bit more of a believable scenario than the second one I, I pitched. So I also stated that after the Dallas game, <coughs> the pending home finale or the season finale, home finale against Washington would actually have Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator, making his debut as the Philadelphia Eagle interim head coach that Doug Peterson would not survive this and that public opinion would sway so heavily that he would get fired. Now, that might be a little bit of a stretch. It possibly is. But if things do work out the way I hope they don't, but the way I predict, and the Eagles finish 7-9, and nine, somebody, something needs to change. Doug needs to go. Howie needs to go. One or the other needs to go. The combination goes. Both of them go. Something definitely needs to change, and this team needs to go in a different direction. It is May the 9th. We have months to go till we get to the regular season on a, in a normal situation. Please prove me wrong. Take what I'm saying today and prove me wrong. 
I want to be proved wrong, and I want the Eagles to be successful. But I honestly don't see it. So that is my breakdown of the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles schedule as I see it today. Uh, again, I've been taking a lot of flack for it, but, hey, makes for entertaining TV and radio, and internet in this case, right? So that's how I feel. All right, so I have a big announcement to make. This this really is a big announcement for the show. Next week, May 15th, I will be – we will have a special guest here on Talking Philly Sports with Matty B. Joe Giglio, who is a uh, – Contributor for 94WIP, both uh, in the written and the spoken word. He does uh, the weekday 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. time slots, and he also writes columns for for the website. He will be my guest. I will be interviewing Joe, and I will try to attempt to find out how Joe thinks, because sometimes, most of the time, pretty much all the time, I don't understand Joe's um, philosophies when it comes to sports and I really want to know but I respect his opinion and I respect how he I I respect what he says so I will be interviewing him next week that'll be the podcast next week so I'm really super excited about that uh it's going to be a great time um I can't wait actually to interview him because as I said you know I could not agree with you and I could differ you know not agree with your opinion but I respect the hell out of Joe Giglio uh, because of, of that reason that he's not afraid to speak his own mind and not go along with the masses at times. And he catches a lot of flack for that. And uh, next week we'll, we'll attempt to kind of pick the mind, so to speak, of Joe Giulio and find out why he thinks that way. So we're looking forward to that. So until then, you guys stay safe out there. Uh, we're getting through this. We're taking it day by day. Things are starting to loosen up a little bit. We got Korean baseball happening. If you're if you're a night owl around 2, 3 in the morning on ESPN, tune in. You can catch the Korean baseball organization. I mean, it's something. It's something to kind of pass the time. But we're going to get there. And we're going to get there together. And we're going to be a stronger people for it. We are. Trust me. I know as I'm talking about, I've been through situations like this in life. And you come out of it a lot stronger. Stay safe. Stay motivated. Stay happy. And stay engaged in sports and in your family and everything else in your life. I will see you again next week, everybody. Take care.